Hey friends, Abner Suarez here. You're tuning in to the new NUMA Godcast. Be sure to download, subscribe every week with my dear friend Norman Brown, who has a guest that will bring you insight, understanding, and tools to equip you to live in this world as God intended you to live. You are tuned in to the new NUMA Godcast, hosted by Norman Brown, a.k.a. Professor and Justin Foster, where we address the taboo from a biblical view. Our podcast is all about real talk with new life. And quite frankly, you either love it or you won't, because we deal with tough topics that the church rarely touches. Somebody's got to do it, and that's why we exist. So just sit back, chill, and enjoy the ride, because it's going to be good. Peace. All right, man. So, what's up, Justin? What's up, fam? You know, this is going to be an interesting um, podcast because right now what we're trying to do is do something that is going to be giving people an idea of who they're listening to. Kind of, it's introducing us, even though we've been around for a while, but I'm just saying, you know, it's giving them more insight into who we are as people. That's what I was basically trying to say. So, right, right. Um, and so we're going to be, um, so, so today we're going to do an interview just talking about Justin, and then we're going to do an interview where we'll be talking about me. So, um, so Let's go back to the beginning, just like I always do with everybody, man. Let's talk about how it was for you growing up. Oh, wow, okay. I know that's a vague question, <laughs> but just, you know. Yeah, there's a lot involved. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a big question. Um, So, we moved around a lot. You know, I'm, I grew up in a family of uh, five, you know, mm. single mom, you know, and, uh, we moved around a lot in the city, so I remember even from a young age, we were always moving, you know, and... Um, so, this just for the sake of those that are listening, okay. what city are you talking about? Okay, <laughs> Baltimore. Okay. Baltimore, yeah. Okay. So, you know, we moved around the city a lot, so um, my mom is a single mom, and I have four brothers, one is deceased, and um, one younger sister, so I'm the uh, second to last born, you know, and... Um, <clears throat> You know, we got a mixture of different fathers. So my oldest brother had his own father. Then my two brothers after him have the same father. And then my sister and I have the same father. But we all have the same mother, of course. So, um, you know, we grew up, uh, you know, a nice, good good size. Um, and we moved a lot. I remember, I think where we started, began to settle down a little bit was in the city next to, um, we used to live right across the street from Town Plaza. You know, and um, over on Clark's Lane, and we grew up there. We built friendships and things like that. But um, it was crazy because my sister and I were kind of like the oddballs, you know, because <laughs> we the only light-skinned <laughs> children. So, you know, uh, my mom made jokes. She said, you know, people used to ask her what she's sleeping around, you know, because uh, <laughs> they couldn't believe that my father was really our father, you know, Yeah. because my parents are both brown-skinned. So, you know, people yeah. were just like, how did they come out so Mm-hmm. so light you know yeah. but um so yeah you know we grew up kind of really really like well at least i know me myself is like kind of outcast you know mm-hmm. 
you know, that's that white boy and stuff yeah, like, uh-huh. and my brother should tease me. He's like, you know, oh yeah, you used to beat us, but you don't beat that white boy that much. <laughs> you know, I got beaten, especially when uh-huh. I was younger, but I think when I got closer, like to my teens, that's when my mother, she, she really started changing her own heart. So me and my sister didn't, um, you know, didn't face the wrath side of her, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember we was younger boy. Oh, we used man. to get the switches. We used to get the high heels, wow. hangers, anything she could find. Boy, we was getting what brooms, mm. all everything, man. Stenching okay. cords. Wow, Lord Jesus. Okay. But, um, yeah. So it was, it was, it was, it was fun. Me and my brothers, we were a trip. See that, but just the thing I appreciate about my childhood, we legit had so much fun apart from because you know we didn't have phones we didn't have computers the internet and stuff yeah we have fun just by doing and building things outdoors i remember um when we were living around clark's lane we had found this uh this opening in the woods and we decided to build like a uh like this club or a clubhouse, like, I guess okay. you kind of call it. A, yeah. Not a club. <laughs> Treehouse, okay. Well, yeah, or well, not tree a tree. House. Yeah, you know, like kind of like a hideout. More is probably okay. a better word. Kind of a hideout, you know. And I remember we went around the neighborhood, and we found all of these things. I don't know why or how, but it just seemed like, you know, it's interesting how things come together. You know, when you're young. But I remember we found a couch, we found a table, we found chairs, we even found a um a toilet. <laughs> I know it's it's crazy, but like we found all of these things oh, around um the neighborhood, and we set up this little little whatever hideout. Um, and it's crazy because we begin we also set up uh these traps. So like we had taken um this heavy chair and we had hoisted it I think above like tree branches and with a thin rope, so that if someone were to trip the rope, this chair would come. <laughs> <laughs> they got the traps in the, in the woods. <laughs> I, we just—it's oh, like man. we just knew these things. It's so—it's so weird now thinking about back at it. But it was so amazing because we 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 had to set up. We set up rules, you know, of our society. <laughs> wow, it kind of reminds me of that uh, that movie, that old movie, Lord of the Flies. Uh, you know that. Yeah. <laughs> and we had set up this hideout, you know, but. And we just used to do things. We were always outdoors. We used to um, build sleds and slot, you know, for the winter and go play down at the creek and build rope swings and tie- with tires and stuff. We just used to have fun and do things. Yeah. And um, I really appreciate that because I think that's kind of like left out a lot of our uh modern society you know like we don't we don't understand that like you know and I, I feel bad sometimes because i think parents are like they're like what can i do but they're so plugged into like it's got to be technology or you got to spend this to go to us arena or whatever yeah. and they forget that like there are so many ways to just go out and enjoy nature you and know. Uh, you know you know what's funny about that is for me i actually have intentionally done things where my children won't be doing anything with technology. I'm saying you're gonna go outside and play somewhere. We're gonna go to the park. We're gonna do this or that, whatever. And I've intentionally done that so that they won't be like the other kids their age that are all caught up in a TV or a phone or a tablet or a computer. Like, nah, you're not gonna do that. I didn't do yeah. that. You're not gonna do that. You ain't missing out on nothing. 
because you didn't have a phone for a certain amount of time. You know what I'm saying? So right. that's kind of like the way I look at it. Go yeah. Ahead. Yeah, yeah. And so it was, um, you know, we had a lot of fun. We, we, we really had, I would say, an overall wholesome childhood, you know. Um, and... We you know we were raised in the church. You know that's another, that was a big no, another big part of our life. You know my mom. I used to remember her saying, "Rise and shine, give God the glory." <laughs> and so you know, used to wake us up, put on our church clothes, and go down to the church. And I was raised in, um, I would say. Like I was raised like apostolic, but they were very Pentecostal. You know, they were we they were always in the gifts of the spirit, speaking in tongues. Um, we even saw miracles. Like growing up in my church, there were miracles that happened. My brother, um, Gregory, actually got healed of uh, scoliosis. You know, he was wow. going, yeah at our church, and um, so you know, we we knew that there was something to this thing. You know, even from a young age, you know, we mm-hmm. just had kind of like that knowledge and that reverence of God. Even though we didn't have a relationship, but what was interesting is that, and I look back and now kind of puzzled, but kind of figuring it out now, and and is that I remember one time when I was in elementary school, we had gone outside. <laughs> I forgot. We had gone outside for a fire drill, yeah. and um, for some reason, I just started talking to the other children about God. And I look back now, I'm like, that was way before I prayed any prayer or got baptized, any of that stuff. I was like, that's really weird, you know. But I had like this knowledge, you know, just like a knowledge of God. It's crazy because I remember one time, (laughs) this one boy, he was messing with me in class and, um, and uh, I was like, you better stop. I'm going to tell God on you. He was like, please, no, please. <laughs> he got so scared. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It's just like this special yeah. grace, I guess, God had or something. But he was so scared after that. He never messed with me again. But um, it was, you know, we had a really good childhood. And um, I would say, though, like growing up, I struggled a lot with identity. You know what I'm saying? Like. It was because I was already an outcast, yeah. and then on top of that, not having a father and all of that yeah. stuff just kind of blended together for like you know a disaster. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, I was very kept to myself, especially as I got older. I began to keep a lot to myself. You know, isolate myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, not very social. But at the same time, with the friends that I did have, you know, I was goofy. But then, but in general, I was like very isolated, and I had a lot of pent up anger. And that's what people don't know about me now, because people that know me now know me as a goofball. But if you would have known me back then, I was still goofy. But I was very, very angry. Like I had a lot of incidents throughout school where I would just lash out, have outbursts. Like especially if I wasn't messing with anybody, but they started messing with me, and then I would just explode on them, and you know outbursts suspensions and stuff and I had a lot a lot of anger and I was just so angry I was so mad because on the inside like I just felt like you know I wasn't accepted I wasn't wanted I wasn't important so it was a lot of anger a lot of hatred and and a lot of self-hatred because I didn't think I had any value so I was like angry with my own existence you know to an extent so I was very very angry and um that continued like up into you know, up into my high school years, and that's when, um, you know, things really started to shift a little because I remember leaving. So, you know, I was doing music back then. Me and my friend, me and my friends, me and my closest friends from high school, we were actually pretty, pretty different. Like, we, it was me and uh, two other guys, and one of the guys' brothers. We used to always hang out and things like that, and um, we would like 
make films, like write films, record little films, record music and stuff. And we were always thinking about stuff like outside of the box, like not falling in with like the media trends. We were different, even though we weren't like, you know, believers, but we were like outside of the culture. Yeah. You know? And so we had our own little uh <laughs> company quote unquote that we called assassination productions you know whatnot <laughs> you know it was all tough and whatnot but um it was really cool and um and uh i began rapping in actually in high it's funny because i never considered myself a rapper but during my high school years i lived next door to a guy named zach who was a really good who's a really good rapper you know yeah. still to this day but um i remember him asking me one time when I was over his house, he was like, yo, you should write a rap. And so I'm like, uh, bro, I don't rap. And he was like, dude, I'm telling you, man, just write a rap. I'm going to give you a, uh, he gave me like a medical dictionary. It's oh, really yeah. crazy. He said, just find some words in there, you know, and just write something that rhymes with them. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you know, so I take this medical dictionary. I think it was like a nurse's dictionary. And, um. I just started finding, you know, different, um, different words. Man, I remember. Let me see if I can remember some of my ball. I, I remember doing something with aorta, like um, it was crazy. I, I don't know. Yeah, I remember, that, it's, but that it's was, all good. Yeah, that was that back in the day. Cool, though. It sounds cool. Yeah, and so I wrote, I wrote down these lyrics, and um, then I rapped it for him. He was like, "Yo, you <laughs> was nice, yo, you was nice." I was like, "Okay," I didn't think so, you know. I'm just like, I just put words together, yeah. you know. He was like, "Yo, you need to start writing." So he kind of like became like a coach and a mentor, you know. Like, boom, you know, like, "Hey, don't try this, don't try that," and just kind of coaching me along the way. And that was when I began listening to Eminem. I don't know if I was listening to Eminem before that or like slightly after that, but I got into rap like kind of late, you know, comparatively. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I was listening to Em a lot and so I got influenced a lot by his style, you know. Okay. And um, I only listened to Em and Pac growing up and they were like my main two and I didn't really listen to a lot of other things. Like maybe here and there, like, you know, I listened to G-Unit, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm influenced by G-Unit. It was yeah. just kind of like, this is hype music, you know, yeah, you can yeah. bop to. Uh -huh. So, um, I started rapping, man, and, um, you know, so we were rapping, we were making music, we were doing different things, you know, me and my friends and stuff, and, um, I remember one day when I was leaving, uh, when I was leaving my, you know, my best friend at the time, leaving his house, I was just walking down the street, man, then this thought just popped in my head, like, you know, what are you doing this for? And like to nobody else, anybody else, that wouldn't really made no sense, you know, but I knew exactly what it meant because I was already like, you know, like I'm a very intellectual guy. So I'm always thinking about, you know, the meaning of life, the meaning for my existence, blah, 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 you know, the order of the universe. So like that question for me meant like, you know, like what is all this meaning in? Like you're making music, you're enjoying your life, you're doing all these cool things, but what's the meaning of it all? You know, yeah. and I couldn't answer that question. I was literally dumbfounded. I was like, uh, I don't know. I didn't really know how to respond. So that kind of sent me on this quest. And I began to uh, have Bible studies with my mom, you know, again. And um, she would read some of the same stories we grew up reading. But as she read them this time, it was like the words were coming off the pages. Like they were speaking directly to me. 
And I was like, whoa, this is crazy, you know? And it was just like, man, this is real, you know? It wasn't like at an altar or some dramatic road on Damascus experience. It was just like, somehow it just clicked in my heart, like, Jesus is real. Like, you yeah. really are the Savior. Like, this is, it's no denying that. Mm. And I look back, it was kind of like all of that stuff built up in my childhood, I guess. God had been kind of proud of me all, the, all along yeah. for that moment, you know? And so after that like a lot changed because man i remember boy i was smoking weed man i was cursing i was, I was doing everything y'all <laughs> i was just enjoying my life but it was crazy because i would say one of the first things that shifted in my life was just like i stopped smoking weed like i didn't even now, have a desire now before you go into that yeah because the way you're saying this it's like you got saved already were you saved now or you No, no, that was my moment. To save? That was probably that was my moment. Okay, so talk uh, talk about that then. We'll talk about what? What you were getting ready to say, you were saying you smoked oh, and all that. Yeah, yeah, so, so like it changed my life, you know, cuz that's when I really started to follow Christ or at yeah. least I would say I started to learn about him, you know, at least more like When you at when that question came to you saying so after that question, and then I started having the Bible studies, that was when I kind of like made a decision in my heart, like, oh, this is real, okay. you know? And so for me, that was like the conversion moment. Okay. So yeah. that, so, okay. And, and the reason why I'm asking about this, because like a lot of times people, when they're talking about being born again and everything, they have a certain moment, certain date, they can say, oh yeah, on March the 10th, whatever. I got born again and I remember this to this day. So was it like that for you at that time? I would say it was a certain day. I don't remember which day, but I can just remember when we were sitting there at the table, like reading through these Bible stories, like in my heart, I just said like, Jesus, you are real. But I you guess know? what I should ask at this point is, um, so there wasn't some prayer you prayed. Oh, no. no. Nope. It was just a realization. Mm -hmm. And then from that point on, you just kind of walked out the the walk of a believer and you just started growing in that. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's how it was for me. You know, it was it was uh, it wasn't like the cliche, I guess, you know. Like uh, yeah, you know, sinner's prayer. Sinner's prayer. <laughs> what you know? I don't have anything. Yeah. I mean. I agree with you like that to me I mean for me like I can't give a pinpoint when it happened for me yeah nobody I mean not I'll say it like this I just always felt like I knew the Lord like my whole life I grew up in a church family I mean a, a Christian family and I felt like that was just always my life I never knew anything different but I can't say this was the point when I accepted Jesus into my heart. I don't have that. And that's why like it used to it used to kind of bother me when I would hear people say when they got born again, I'm like, I can't tell nobody when I did. And so there was a point in time where I kind of started being a little bit I was thinking like, okay, so if I can't tell somebody when I got born again, does that mean I need to say the sinner's prayer and make sure? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I thought I was walking this out, but you know what? I never, I can't remember a certain point in time when I gave my life to Jesus. So I really was like, do I need to do that? You know what I'm saying? I really struggled with that for a little while, especially because it seemed like everybody that I would hear a story of, they would say, 
I remember it like it was yesterday. I was here and this, that, and that, you know, whatever. I went to this church and so anyway, I guess the part of the reason why I'm even bringing this out based on what you said, actually what you said was kind of like confirmation to me of what I come to the conclusion of. Everybody is not going to be able to say this date on this time or whatever is when I did it or when it happened. But it's kind of like this. It's like, like Jesus said, nobody knows where the wind is going mm. and blowing and all that stuff. And just like you don't know that, you don't know when a person gets born again. It happens. It's just whatever. It's just a, a it's like an awakening that happens in that person. And then all of a sudden they want to walk the way they're supposed to walk with the Lord. So I can definitely say since I was a little kid that I was walking with the Lord and growing in it mm. as I got older. And then it was like um, at a certain point in time when I was like, I would say 16. Well, first of all, if I back up, I got baptized. Well, I don't, I don't want to get into my story right now. I'll just say that it was kind of like a thing where it's like, you know, I didn't have a origin date or anything like that. I just know that it was like that for me. Mm -hmm. So it sounded like you had you had the same kind of situation. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so it was kind of just like, like you know, like you were saying, like that awakening. And um, like that's when my life started shifted, shifting, you know, um, because like I was filled with like this, you know, everybody gets you like this zeal, this fire, you know, you want to, <laughs> you want to tell everybody about Jesus, and <laughs> you know, that kind of creates some problems with me, you know, especially uh, for me, like with my friends, you know, because they were obviously not believers and uh, my, my, my closest friend, you know, um, he, he, he became basically like an antichrist. You know, to me, and it's interesting because he has his own story about his his uh, experience with Christianity, quote unquote, and it wasn't a pleasant one. So it kind of turned him off to it. Yeah. So when I became a believer, he was like very antagonistic, you know, even if I didn't say anything directly to him about God, even like the mention of it would just kind of like, you know, tick him off, you know. And so, you know, that created friction between him and I. And um, of course, that friction kind of, you know distanced us over time and then we came to it's it's funny because we were so professional we were like you know we're going to have a meeting and we're going to decide which assets <laughs> <laughs> it was like a um what's that the prenup or something like <laughs> you take hand <laughs> wow <laughs> we actually decided like which um ideas we had come up with that uh, i was going to take and he was going to take uh, and um uh, it was a whole thing man it was like a friendship breakup or, yeah it was um yeah, man, but, uh, and so, at that point, I was, you know, uh, I was just, I was coming towards the end of high school. I think that was around 10th or 11th grade, and, um, probably closer to 11th grade, and so that whole next year, um, no, I think it was closer to 12th grade. It was definitely closer to 12th grade because I remember that after that, I transferred because um, we had moved to the county. So I transferred to um, Milford Mill Academy. And um, I think that's the only school where I didn't get beat up. <laughs> 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 Yo, I didn't get in no fights. It was so funny because like, 
I would always start the fights, but I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't start them, but like somebody would be bothering me. Like I remember one time in class, this guy was just throwing paper and paper at me. I just ignored him. And then he threw this metal thing at me that hurt. I got so angry. I stood up and turned around. I was like, blah, I just punched him in the face. But after that, I didn't have any comfort. No, 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 no. He stood up and beat the crap out of me. <laughs> but it wasn't like, it wasn't like we were fighting and he won. It was like, I just froze up. Cause I didn't have like any, I wasn't a fighter. So like yeah. once that adrenaline started popping, I didn't know what was happening. It was like I was, <laughs> it was like I was in a different zone. So I was just kind of like you know, ball up and anything. So, um, <laughs> which is ironic because my brothers and his friend used to like we used to spar down in his basement. We basically just used us as punching bags. Yeah. I don't know why they call it sparring. They yeah. were just beating us up. <laughs> They call this far. It was terrible, you know. And uh, but yeah, my let. So go ahead. So my last year of high school, um, I transferred to Milford Mill, and that was when I really, really started to like, like enter this phase where I was just spending so much time in the Word, you know, like just day and night, night and day, just praying and reading the word and speaking the time stuff like that just like really 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 indulging in the word and i remember it was to the point where like i would finish my work early in class and then just take my bible out from under my chair and start reading mm-hmm. one time my teacher told me i couldn't read my bible i was like what? but you know i was just like so hungry and it's crazy because i saw you know god moved in different ways like through high school um to touch people and um so i know that you basically at this point are born again but you haven't spoken of water baptism or baptism in the Holy Spirit. So yeah. when did those happen? <laughs> it's really it's really weird. You know, these that's a good question. I didn't get water baptized till many years later, actually. Okay. But when I first got saved, I remember going to a prayer meeting. At, so I had multiple encounters with like the whole baptism in the spirit, speaking in tongues thing. Yeah. So the first one, because I grew up in a church that was into that, you know, I gone to a prayer meeting and they were talking about the praying in the spirit. And they just said, you know, like just, um, you know, just just keep praying to say Jesus, 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 you know, until it comes, you know. And um, and then later on, they I think another time they were like, you know, just just kind of receive it, just kind of, you know, just speak. And so I spoke in it like here and there, you know, but it wasn't until I, I had gone to like this, um, this Christian like summer boot camp at this church. And, um, you know, they have like morning jogs and then you have like your you know, worship time, then the Bible time. It was just like, you know, disciplining yourself. But during one of the um, sessions, they had had like, we had watched like a, a, a piece of the Passion of the Christ. And then, you know, we all came up and like for prayer, like confessing sins and stuff like that and asking for deliverance and stuff like that. And I remember this one brother who was praying for me, he was speaking in tongues, but something about it, it was like, it just came inside of me i can't explain like i just started speaking because like his tongues was like just felt like i can't speak like fire or something like that yeah. you know like i was like what the crap i just started speaking in tongues you know and so that was probably when i definitely knew you know that i had you know had been baptized in the spirit and um and so i started i just started like and that i started uh you know waking up early mornings praying in tongues, you know, seeking God. And um, 
and it was when I had my first vision you know I had my first vision one early morning I think I woke up around like 3 4 a.m. and I was just praying in tongues and then I went into this vision and um you know so that started to create a hunger so I started eventually so here's the thing when I first got saved like I I thought I God always wanted to send me somewhere like I would be like, you know, God, where you want me to go today? I, I would like go knock on random people's doors because you. Know, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! No, it was just like, cause I would be like, God, you know, where you want me to go? You know, and I just felt like I was being led, you know, uh -huh. or whatever by the spirit. That's what I thought it meant, you know, being led yeah. by the spirit. Uh -huh. Which is, I guess, part of it, but that's not yeah, the, you know. Yeah. So I would, I would go like sit under a tree. That's a, that's a rookie mistake, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I would go sit under trees. Uh -huh. You know, I'd be like, God, tell me go walk down the yeah, tree. You're looking like the thinking man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting under a tree, read my Bible, uh -huh. and just I would just be like radical, just like wherever you want me to go. Yeah. And um, then I started doing a lot of downtown ministry with like friends and stuff, and um. You know, we passed out gospel tracts. That was all I knew at the moment. You know, I wasn't praying for nobody or anything like that. It was just kind of, you know, passing out gospel tracts. And then eventually I got enough boldness to do, like, open-air preaching. And I started doing that, like, in downtown or in the subways. So, open-air meaning you didn't have a bullhorn. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of like, listen up, everybody. <laughs> and preaching. And it's crazy because I got threatened a number of times while I was preaching, man. People uh, threatened to do me bodily harm. Mm. And, uh, but it, it was experience, man. Yeah. It, was, it was an experience. But, um. So, so I want to know as far as your, um, your family. And I know that your mom, you know, obviously she was a Christian and everything. So when it comes to your family's reaction to you being who you were at this point in time, did that change? Did they start treating you differently or was it like as it always had been? Hmm. So that's a good question. I would say... My relationships changed somewhat, but not drastically. Like, it didn't create a lot of friction, I would say that. You know, of course, you know, between my mom and I, you know, it, it, it started to, like, mend things together, you know, more. Because, you know, growing up, I can't say, like, we had, like, uh like, really close relationship with my mom. Like, it wasn't like we, we weren't, like, dissing or anything from her, but, like, she was always working. Yeah. So she didn't have time, you know, to, like, you know, do the whole family things or family time, stuff like that, you know. Um, so, but when, after I got saved, you know, years later and whatnot, um, you know, that kind of opened up the door because I started going to her church, you know, obviously. And, um, you know, so that, but between my brothers and I, it wasn't too much, like, it was, like, here and there, their snarky remarks and stuff like that, like, oh, he a holy boy now, or, like, a holy boy, <laughs> like, you know, or, you know, you can't say this around him, you know, don't, you know, yeah. don't curse or don't do this around, blah, 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 so, um, it, it, but, yeah, but it wasn't, like, persecution or anything like that, yeah. you know, thankfully. So, in other words... <laughs> These other siblings of yours weren't saved even though they had the same mother. Yeah. They just happened to be not believers. Okay. Yeah. How many, like, it's five of you all together, right? Four are still living, but yeah. Oh, okay. So, out of the five, how many was it 
that was doing what you that were doing what you said was happening. You said how how many how many how how many of them? Because you had three brothers, right? Uh huh. Oh. So how many of your brothers were doing that? Like making fun of me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just two of them. Because the oldest one, like, he was already like uh, going about his own life, you know, okay. with his family and stuff. But um, okay. me and my the, my other two brothers, we were we were the ones who really like hung out the most. Okay. Yeah. All so, right. And the age differences, what are they? So um. <laughs> That's probably a good question because I really I, I don't know the exact number, <laughs> but it's like no, it's like a few years. Okay. So I would say between me and my oldest brother, who's deceased, it would be about eight year difference. Okay. And then between me and the other one would be about like between two and four years. Okay. For All each, right. you know. All right. Um. So. I know that we could talk about all kinds of stories about what you experienced and all that, but what I want to know now at this point, so there had to come a point in time where you were like, okay, um, what am I going to do with my life, right? So I know that you found some interest in music at a certain point, but when did you start to really get into your music? Like, I want to do music. I'm not saying necessarily, I don't know if you were thinking about professionally or whatever, but like at what point did you finally say, um, I want to do music like big time? And because I want to know, because you didn't tell how you got into playing the keyboard. I want to know how that happened. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that. Okay. So, so in my last year of, uh, High school. It's ironic because it was actually, I think it was within the same year where I just, you know, started following Christ that my mom decided to get me a keyboard. Okay. And I can't remember exactly what prompted this, but obviously she knew I had some interest in music somehow. And I don't remember how. I really don't remember how. Maybe she heard me listening to bass. I really don't know. But anyway she got me a keyboard and I started um so I had like the little uh on screen teaching thing like they'll teach you how to play the songs that are in the keyboards memory mm -hmm. and so I started teaching myself that and so during my last year of high school I took up a piano class um yup that was at Milford Mill my, I took up a piano class I was also in choir you know whatever and I started learning keyboard in that and then um when I gone to college I didn't know what I wanted to do. My mom was just like, you know, you got to go to college or go to work. And so, I was, But I think I ended up doing both, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just like a trick question. <laughs> got him, you know. Yeah, but, um, you know, so I, I started going to community college where my mom was also going at the time, you know. Mm -hmm. So she kind of brought me in, you know, showed me the system and all that stuff and got me in and helped me get in and stuff. So, But I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just, you know, taking general courses, general studies or whatever. And um I ended up taking a a, a music class and it was just like something about it. I was like, yo, this is really interesting. You know, it just clicked with me. I was like, yo, I, I get this. Like, I understand it, like how the chord progressions work and how, you know, melody and just, I can feel it. I can hear it, you know, because I had already been like playing around, like composing, quote unquote, when I had my keyboard. Like, I would make up little tunes and like <laughs> basic stuff, but it was, so, you know, it was composition still. Um, 
And so I had that interest to, oh, so this was the thing. This is what really intrigued me to start learning piano. Two things. One was when I heard some music by Beethoven, but two, I would say this is more influential. I used to play a lot of uh, role-playing games growing up, like Final Fantasy, Drek, like stuff like that, like the adventure games. And um, I remember, especially Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy is my biggest influence. Boy, that music on Final Fantasy got me in, man. It was just so intriguing, like to see this fan this fantastic adventure and hear this music kind of bring it to life, you know, because I was already an isolated person. So like video games was escapism to me, you know, it just was like helping me to escape, you know, a society that I already didn't feel, you know, that I was a part of. So I would just drown myself out in games. And it was so great just having that music and that story just to kind of draw you into it. And I was like, wow, I want to make music that makes people feel like that you know that help people to escape from everything and so that was probably my biggest influence for really getting into into like classical or like music or like piano and stuff like that and so when I got to college I took a music course and I was like yo this is this is it, you know, because I was getting like D's and C's and stuff <laughs> in, in all my classes. But when I took music, I got like an A. It was like uh, easy for me, yeah. you know. And so I was like, yeah, this is definitely something that I need to pursue. And so I changed my major to to music, and um, you know, started pursuing that. But the music program fell apart, so I ended up um, finishing my with my associate's degree in general studies and transferring to the university, um, transferring to Morgan State, and that's when I, um, you know, pursued my bachelor's of arts in piano, you know, and. Um, that was a whole experience but it was really really good it was really great and but at that time i was more set to my mindset to become like a composer you know i'm going to compose some music and video games and i still to an extent probably want to do that somehow but <laughs> but um you know that was where my mindset was at that time like more of a composer mm -hmm. capacity and, and so kind of, i want to sorry I, no I go ahead go ahead cut you off but i want to know when you say composer as I want to know what a composer is versus a producer. Oh, okay. Yeah, so a composer is kind of like... Composer is like, you know, you write a symphony or, you know, you write score for like... Um, uh, you know, I actually came up with the... I mean, a producer is a big term. Like, even if you're a producer... When I think producer, I think more like, hey, I'm making a pop song or a rap song or a rock song. Uh -huh. When I think composer, I think that, you know, this Star Wars movie, who wrote, who, who made that, you know, that score, who made that music. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, so like, that's what I wanted to do, kind of like make the scores behind movies and music. Mm -hmm. and so stuff. in other words, it would be like something that sets the mood for something. Music Kinda. that sets the mood for a scene or whatever. Or Kinda. Whatnot. I mean, you still have composers that like their stuff is performed like in symphony halls. You know, it's not necessarily for a movie or a game. No, no, no. I yeah, I realize that. I guess I should have said. Um, I'm just saying, like that's an example of yeah what a composer is doing. They're setting their stage for a scene in a movie. Some in certain. If they're doing that kind of a composing, it be right. for setting the scene, it's setting the mood for what's going on. But it could be a Mozart thing or something like that. But typically, it sounds like this is something that's more along the lines of classical music. 
Yeah. When I hear somebody say composer, I'm thinking classical music. Right. So, you know. Yeah, basically. You I know. mean, I'm not saying that people can't come up with stuff that's not classical. You can have, like, movies, for instance, since, you know, we're talking about that. You can have movies that don't have classical music, but they do have music that sets the mood for the stuff that's happening. So it was composed, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so you, um, so now you were in a place where you were looking at being a composer. Now, at some point in time, you met LJ. How, when, when did you meet him along the way? So that was in college when I was at the, uh, the community college. I remember, um, you know, because like I was saying, I did a lot of uh, like street ministry, you know. And one time I was in the subway and I had given a track to this one guy who I think. Oh, yeah. I, I given a track to this one guy who was also happened to be talking to a girl that I knew right there in the subway. And so, you know, we she introduced us and stuff like that. And he was like, yo, oh, you go to BCCC? Like, yeah, I go to BCCC. So I got, you know, connected with him. And then. He introduced me to Carlos, this dude Carlos, who at the time was best friends with LJ, you know, the Viticus. And so, you know, Carlos brought me on with LJ and them. And um, I started, uh, you know, doing rap with them. Okay. You know, so, you know, they was, you know, doing that thing. And I was kind of like part of that. But before then, I was still like, you know, doing rap here and there, like open mic, writing poetry. I really wrote a lot more poetry than rap back yeah. then. You know, I was always writing poetry, but my, my poetry was sad. I, I don't know why. I was just depressed. <laughs> well, I mean, like you were saying, you went through anger at some point. And yeah. Then, I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of things that could be happening internally that you could have been thinking about. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was it was a lot of sad sad poetry. But then you know I started rapping more and um and just kind of like you know I see more like for me rap is more just like a ministry, you know like I'm trying to set somebody free by what I say. I'm not yeah. I mean it's good to make stuff that's hype and stuff like that, but I don't know that'd be hard for me sometimes because I'm more like trying to get a message. Stick to what you do. I mean whenever like that's kind of like. Like, okay, just because I can't really think of a lot of, um, I can't, unfortunately, I hate to say this, but unfortunately, I don't know enough of Christian rappers' repertoire of music to say, oh, well, this type of person is doing this kind of style this way or whatever. So I can't really compare to that. I'm going to compare to what I know better. So I'm going to say like Nas, for instance. Nas has a certain way he flows. He ain't going to switch that up for nobody. He's just going to do what he does. You know what I'm saying? So you have a certain way that you flow. So you should stick with that. You know what I'm saying? You shouldn't be trying to switch it up because there's a bunch of people out here that's doing hype songs or whatever. Because a hype song... You know, it can only do but so much for somebody. You know what I'm saying? Not saying that it's not good, but it's like, you know, like you were saying about the ministry. Now, different types of flows and different types of approaches have different merits 
as far as what they do and what they bring to the table. So right. all I'm saying is you have a deeper type of flow. I've heard you and I like it. You have a deeper type of flow. It's it's more like it makes you think. It's more um, revelatory, basically. It's like a revelatory type of thing. So that's good for people like me. I'm that kind of person. So I like to listen to stuff like that. I like poetry like that. I write poetry like that. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's <laughs> that's what I you know I would say to that. Yeah. But um. But yeah, so you know, you know, started making music with Holy Host Man, and um, I guess that's you know, it's crazy because like with LJ and Carlos, they helped me to like discover a lot of like more of identity, you know, as far as like walking in because I was raised under the Turn and Burn doctrine, so like. Uh-huh. I was I, the way I used to preach. It was like everybody was going to hell. Everybody was wrong. Everybody. Like, it was just so. Oh, I know. You about know. That. I know. So about that. when I met them, boy, they convicted me so much, man, because they had like words of knowledge and stuff, and and I was, you know, just you know, because you when you start off in Christ, you still gotta break off habits and all that stuff, yeah. and so they helped me like break free a lot of that stuff. Just by exposing it and just like, but still being my family, you know, family in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that began like a whole transformation where it was no more about like just, um, you know, because even my style, like my my rap back then was influenced a lot by my perspective of like the gospel. You know, everybody was going to hell. So it was always kind of like, repeat, repeat, you know, you need to stop saying Uh blah, blah, blah. But um. Then I started to shift because I started to understand. I mean, later on, it still took years, but I started to understand like authority and, you know, what we can do in Christ. You know, they were the first people I saw like cast out a demon like in person, Uh you know, right in front of me. And so that was really big, like shift in mindset. And then I started to learn a lot more about identity, like Christ in you. You know the hope of glory, and that. Yeah, and so um, yeah, man, it was just like that shift in identity, and so um, that's why I am at now is like everything that I make, especially for rap. Like it's always about identity. Like when I'm teaching or when I'm rapping, like it's always about like how can I reveal a person's identity? Like that's been buried, that's been hidden, that's mm-hmm. they've been blinded from. So to like just release that and to set people free the way I was set free, you know. And so um, that's what motivates me as an artist, man, just for people to say, hey, like you have value to God. Like he literally thought you were worth everything. Yeah. So now I want to get into a different flow. I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. So about four years ago, I think it was, we had a conversation um it was like you and lj um had just gotten to the church not long before that you know what i'm saying and you were kind of like drawn to me or whatever and we were talking chopping it up a little bit on a sunday and then one um at that moment well it was specifically you and i at that moment because you brought up something i don't know how it came out i think it's because i said something about Word Life Cafe. And at that point, you were like, yo, you, you're the host of Word Life Cafe. You know, like that kind of thing, right? So 
after that point, it was like we just started building and everything, and it was just, you know, just building. Like, I know that initially you already expressed interest in helping me do stuff with Word Life Cafe and whatnot, but it's like over time, we were just building and just, you know, getting to know each other better and better or whatever, right? But then um, at the beginning of last year, I approached you about helping me with the podcast. So when I remember when I first told you the name of it and I showed you the logo and you went berserk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. But um, I just want to know, like, at that point in time, like, what was it about New Numa? that drew you into say yo I definitely want to be part of this yeah I would say it was probably so like when I first now I'm not going to go backtrack too much but like just like my whole thing what God started to show me like when I was really like reading scripture stuff is like there is so much we do as Christians in the modern day church as culture that is not biblical like just to be frank you know like so much we do and I'm like yo you know like this stuff needs to be addressed like nobody's really talking about stuff like we become so focused on earthly things but we're not really impacting the culture like we're really not having a voice having an impact because we're just basically flowing with the world the world has 513 c3s okay let's make a 513 c you know the world has pyramid we're gonna make a pyramid like it's just it's gotten so and so when you was talking about like yo you know we're addressing like topics that people not talking about like what people not saying like what the church is not doing i'm like well that's my whole life you know what i'm saying like that's that's everything that i'm about like saying what people not be saying reaching those who people are who the you know we're not reaching you know and um because I've, I've always been like a cannonball like a loose caddy you know like i say stuff people get offended but i'm like bro it's in the bible like this is what we're supposed to do so yeah. it was like you know you were that type of guy like was just like I, that's that's what they like we have in common. Like you know, sometimes for better or for worse. Like we say what's on our mind, and we don't care how it's gonna be taken. Just like the truth needs to be said. You know, we're not gonna be rude or disrespectful, yeah. but like we're not gonna withhold the full counsel of God because somebody's gonna get that panties in a bunch or something like that. We, you know, we want, we want to heal people. <laughs> we want to deliver people. We want to set people free. Yeah. So you gotta, and that's a hard hard thing you know yeah so so anyway when you when you did like come aboard because you knew that I had been doing podcasting for years I had been doing this since I started this in 2009 so before the term podcast even came out I was doing it but wow. um, but when you when you came in to to help with this like what what kind of things were you thinking of as far as like what we would be able to do together through the podcast and whatnot? Like what kind of stuff were you seeing for the future, so to speak? Mm. Man, I don't know. That's a big question. Like, cause so many things are possible, but one thing I would say is like addressing 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 our culture with perspective that doesn't sound so churchy you know what i'm saying like yeah. not having the textbook answer mm -hmm. for everything and like 
because I believe they're they're like people who are like, you know, are seeking answers to things. You know, when it comes to identity or family or sexuality or politics or things like that. And the answer they may get, if they get an answer, because, you know, you come to a Sunday service, it's not tailored for the average seeker. Yeah. There's no space allowed for the person who's actually seeking, who actually came to encounter God. Mm-hmm. They may encounter our service, but they're not going to encounter. So, like, that's one thing I feel like, you know, they tune in a podcast and they'd be like, wow, you know, this is like talking directly to the things that you're not going to hear, you know, in a church service. So that's like one of the biggest things is like, you know, answers that the church is not given and also one thing is that hopefully to address the church itself because I I mean this sounds crazy but I don't think the church addresses the church very often because it's like there are like a number of people who have legitimate complaints against you know the modern church like how they've been treated or experiences they've had or things that they say that just don't make sense to them and you don't it's hard to get um you know, a perspective on the organization itself, even though church is more than that, but like from people who are in it, because you, it's hard to be critical of something that you're, you never take time to step outside and say, you know what, let's judge on the basis of, you know, what's actually real, like what's actually scriptural and stuff like that. And so, you know, you have people say, well, you know, pastor such and such was doing this or that or the other, you know, he was sleeping around and blah, 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 you know, and they, and you have, like, it's legitimate stuff, like people, people have against the church or like, you know, they did this or that. And so it's like, I thought we provide that space because we take a critical look at everything. Like we don't have a, I mean, of course we have a bias. Everybody has a bias, but at the same time, we're not going to exclude ourselves or even our own faith from criticism or critique so i think that's something where people is like you know they can tune in and be like wow you know these people are actually being real about stuff like even their own faith like they see problems with stuff too so it's not just me an unbeliever who sees problems with this stuff other people are seeing it but yet they're still bringing a perspective of like but this is why i believe you know what i'm saying so yeah yeah man well i just want to say for the record uh, that I'm definitely glad that you, you know, teamed up with me for the mission. Um, and uh, it's been a blessing. You know, now it's over a year that we've been doing this together. So I just want to say, man, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, thank you for being uh, willing and uh, obedient, I would say, you know. Um, any last words that you have for people that are listening? Um, yeah, just anything. Um, no, I would just say thank you to you as well, you know, for bringing me on board. Um, it's definitely a blessing. Like, talking is my thing. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I love talking about stuff, especially if it's, you know, about Christ and about mm-hmm. helping people. But um, for people listening, I would just say, you know, uh, check out your boy. You know, um, if you want, like, uh, encouragement teachings um on christ or music that's all on my main page just as written um and um yeah and i have a bunch of other things so just like holla at me hit me up if you need prayer for anything like i'm i'm, I'm all about people so you can reach out to me and um like we just here for you on a personal level so yeah so when you say your page because everybody doesn't know what that means i don't even necessarily oh know snap that. i'm
Like, yeah. you gotta be specific. There's a lot of pages these days. Right, they I know, right? So, Lord, Facebook, Twitter, you know, whatever. So, all right, so anyway, um, so that's it, man. We gonna wrap this up. Thank y'all again for listening to the new new Magodcast, and that was the end of you know our um, getting to know Justin session. And uh, we appreciate you. Make sure again, if you're on iTunes and you're listening to us and you love what you're hearing and everything, give us a five-star rating and give us a great comment to go along with that. That helps us to rise up in the rankings of podcasts and to become more visible. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Peace.